Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim Simone and Mark Lenzi, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Hello, and welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Kim and Mark, and we join you every week to talk about trending topics in the wine world. And how are you this week, Mark? Everything is great, Kim. Always good, good to talk wine with you and our always. listeners every week. Indeed. And we always try to bring you articles and updates from the world of wine and our first one today, we wanted to talk to you about an article that was in Wine Enthusiast about how to find the wines you want. And I really liked this little piece because it reminded me of back in my retail days when I would have customers come in and be like, we had this wine on our honeymoon and it was 10 years ago. Can you find it for us? And it was always this fun little adventure that I could go on to try to find this very particular wine for people that there was something near and dear about this wine to a, a customer. And it really added this emotional experience to wine drinking. And, and I always got a big kick out of, of doing that. And I'm sure that you run into this question an awful lot, don't you, from your customers, Mark? Yeah, it is fun to research or find what people are looking for. And it could be something you found that you had at a restaurant that you might not have seen in retail. It might be maybe just something that became your new favorite wine or you mm -hmm. saw a review or a social media post. I mean, yeah, so many reasons why people go searching yeah. for specific wines. So I guess the idea of this was basically how can you track them down? And that's what Kim was saying is we, we can give some real tips here that not only from what we took out of this article, but from real life experiences mm -hmm. of stories of people coming in, just looking for things and how it's handled. And I know now with your job, Kim, you do research a lot of wines you're trying to find for a class that's the same way as finding a wine, a, a consumer's trying to find a wine. So you want to talk about how you personally track down wines you try to find? Sure. So th this article kind of starts by saying that it's, it's a little bit of a maze. And so you sort of need to get your bearings and figure out what direction you want to go in. And I think that that makes sense. So often when I am trying to search out a specific wine, because I have access to what is distributed in the state of Massachusetts and wine consumers, you know, you can't go directly to the distributor and buy from them, you know, because of the three-tier system that we have in place, you, the consumer, needs to purchase from a wine store. But oftentimes, those wine stores will have lots of different distributors and suppliers that they work with. So they have access to information that you won't necessarily find on the internet, or or it might be there on the internet, but it's, it's harder to find through just a Google search. So I generally start my searches through what is available in the state of Massachusetts. And that is one thing that makes it a little bit tricky on the local level or on the statewide level for people trying to find, it, find wines is that you really have to generally 
work within the confines of what is available in your state if you want to physically purchase that bottle from a store. So that is where I start as opposed to going to do like an internet search to get it shipped to me. You know, I will work through whatever our local distribution is and try to find that particular wine. And oftentimes what I remember running into when I was trying to do this for my customers was they knew the producer, they knew the wine, but they had only ever had one vintage of that wine. So they were trying to find that specific vintage. And that is often where I would get hung up on trying to find a very particular wine for someone. So say you were in Italy 10 years ago, you know, and you had this bottle of Reserva Chianti Classico, but it was a vintage that has been gone for six years. You know, that makes it really hard to find that specific exact wine. So if you can be a little flexible with what you were looking for as far as the vintage goes, then I think that that makes it a little bit easier for someone to find the wine for you. I like how you talk about the search function because the the wine enthusiast article stated to go to your local wine shop. It didn't say go to your big box store or supermarket. Mm -hmm. And I think the reason for that is, and correct me if I'm wrong, Kim, but because of that search function, you can't go to like a big box store and really ask them to look up. So if they don't purchase it, it's probably not in their system. Whereas smaller retailers or people like yourself, when, you, when you're doing classes, we have access to a special database that we can put in and search all products sold in the state. Mm -hmm. Most stores will only search products that they buy themselves within their chain or within right. their, yeah, their chain, right? Right. So- the search and, only, thing, and they only can order. So right. the ordering is done on higher up level. So it's like the equivalent of going to Target and saying, hey, I want this very specific thing. Can you order it for me? And they're like, well, Target ordering is done on a national level. So I can't get you this special thing. I'm, you know, sorry that you want those very special Cheez-Its, but <laughs> we don't carry right, them. Right, so I can't get right. them for you. So I, I, yeah, I think that you're right that those of us on... Um, the level of being a smaller store or um, smaller business where part of what we pride ourselves on what we do is customer service and being there for that one-to-one -one interaction with the customer. I think a lot of times we try to go out of our way to do those special things for our customers. And that, you know, even though I was working for a big retail store, we were still an independent store. So we were able to kind of try to track down those things and do special orders for people. If it was available and could find it, then yeah, you know, let's do that for our customer, make them happy. And you mentioned people will type in a Google search the wine and you will find that wine on the internet. You will. It doesn't yes. necessarily mean, like you said, that it can be found within right. the state of Massachusetts. Just because you can find a reference to that wine on the internet doesn't mean that you can necessarily buy it. And especially right. for a state like Massachusetts, where it's harder to ship wines into us that are not available through our local distribution network. It's this really funny gray area. And we, we've had, we have talked about the shipping issues right. before. <laughs> and a lot of things that happen too, that someone will find a wine or they're given a wine as a gift. And then I'll search it in the three tier system for distributor. I can buy it from the get it for you and it doesn't come up. Mm -hmm. My next thing I do is I search the internet just like everyone else would do and it comes up and then I get information about that wine. And most of the time lately, it's been an exclusive wine. It's either an exclusive wine club wine or it's mm -hmm. a 
exclusive wine made for a certain store, like a Trader Joe's or a Target or Total Wine, stuff like that. It's exclusive only to them. And then I have to say, no, I can't order for you. It's only sold by this store. So that's very common to happen. Mm-hmm. And and I think we should probably maybe track back a little bit. When a person finds a wine or has a wine that they're looking for, what do you think are the important things that they should relate to the store to help them find it again? You mentioned vintage, which I thought was very important because you might have the, the bottle you had. We want to make sure we get you that same vintage because it could have changed from the year before or the year after that vintage. So I think that's one important thing. Uh, any others you think for the listeners that they need to relate to to find it? I actually or think just- producer is probably the number one Um if you want that exact same wine. So if you want the exact same wine, very, very important that we know who made it. So give us the producer name and then the name of the wine. And so that would include the appellation if it comes from somewhere in Europe, you know, it'll have a place name on it. And then any other information that was on that label, because sometimes wines will have like a special designation and it could be as as simple as Reserva, or it could be some special proprietary name for that particular wine. So you see this all over the place. You know, it's not just necessarily the appellation that it comes from. There might be a vineyard site. There might be some other special term that is a a signifier that this wine is something different than all of these other things that they make. So yeah, so the name of the wine, the name of the producer, the vintage. But like I said, you know, sometimes vintage is harder to find, but you're absolutely right, Mark, that especially for places that have more variable weather, you might get a newer vintage of that same exact wine and it's not going to taste the same way that you remember it for whatever reason, whether it's that the weather was different or frankly, you're back at home and you're not on vacation. So it's going to taste a little bit different to you. But those absolutely, I feel like are the most important things to have when you know the wine. If it's it's something that you bought domestically, sometimes there will be more information on the bottle, like an importer or, you know, something else on the back label that could be helpful for us to know as well. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned the back label because a lot of times people come in and say, I don't remember what it was, but I took a picture of it, which is great. And usually just the front label Mm. and always, always please take a picture of that back label because if it's imported, it has the the importer. A lot of times maybe the vintage is on the back, not on the front. There's more detail Mm -hmm. on there that we can research for you and find the the wine a lot better for you. So that's a really good idea. And I have never suggested to people that they take a picture of the back label as well. But that is super smart because there is a lot of information back there. And sometimes when you Google a wine, you can search page after page after page and they won't tell you who the importer is. And yet there can be so much information about that wine on that importer's page. So it's this is something that I have just, I feel like, discovered in the last year as I have been researching more wines is that when you put search to a search when it's just fine, so much about that there on the internet that if you know what to search for, you're going to find so much more information. And it's really wild to me that importer pages and distributor pages might have loads of information about that particular wine, but it just doesn't come up on search engines. Something with the algorithms, I guess. So the more information that you can provide us with, the better we'll be able to help you. Yeah. Speaking of search engines, a lot of times people will come in and they'll say, 
I saw that you sell this wine and I've never heard of it. <gasps> and I'm wondering, how do you find what? that? And they said that we did a Google search and it comes up and it says, you stock this wine. What happens, so everyone knows, is the distributors and the importers, whoever, a lot of times they have many brands. And if you buy one of those brands, you're kind of flagged in the system that you support them. Oh, so they in turn might, if you search it and they say, well, this store sells that brand, but they don't sell the other five, six labels. They might <laughs> only sell the one. So a lot of times the power of the internet, it puts out a little bit more information probably than it should. Mm -hmm. So that's mm. a little tip for people to be aware of that. The other thing is if you are special ordering, please remember when a store orders, they can order a single bottle. They can't order a case. And you go through this all the time, Kim. Mm -hmm. There is a little charge if a case is broken up. So it's if you much more want, expensive. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If you only want that one bottle, you really love that wine, chances are you're going to get a better deal if you get six or 12 or a case because the store has to order in that quantity to bring the price down. It can always get a single bottle, but they charge anywhere between two and three dollars extra. Yeah. It's usually at least $2. And sometimes it doesn't make sense if the wine that you are buying costs, say, $12 to pay an extra three bucks on top of that to get it. But sometimes it does. You know, sometimes the experience that you have of wanting to drink that wine again will completely trump the extra $3. But from a, a purely financial standpoint, yeah, sometimes it, it makes sense to not break that case because the distributors definitely do add. I mean, and rightly so. Right. Um, add it's on handling. a few extra bucks when you uh, when you order single bottles. And that affects the vintage a lot because a lot of the single bars, when they break it up, it's it could be all different vintages sitting there on the shelf. So if you order by the case, you're almost guaranteed to get the vintage that you ordered. Mm -hmm. Whereas a single bottle, it might be a, some straggle yeah. that was hanging there and you don't get what you want. We're lucky we have a great system within the state to help people find. And, and consumers are lucky that they can find anything they want on the internet. If it's not here, you can get it somewhere and get it shipped to you. It's all matter if you want to pay for it. But please take advantage of uh, the small shops and the, the technology they can use to help you. Like Kim said earlier, it is really a fun adventure for us to <laughs> try to find it. And, and it's always enlightening to see things. Geez, I never knew of this. And they'll say, well, yeah, I had it here at this restaurant. And then I'm like, well, how do they get it? And how do they find mm -hmm. it? And why is it on their list? What are they serving it with? That type of thing. So it's fun. On more than one occasion, I was called a wine detective from my customers because I was able to track things down for them. It really is one of the most fun thing. Part of the job to do is to just bring that kind of joy to someone who has been looking for this special bottle that they have an emotional connection with it and to actually be able to track it down. And I remember in my early days of drinking wine. So, you know, really in my early 20s, before I knew really anything about wine. And, you know, we landed on this particular bottle of a red blend from California. And we had like, I don't even know, we had it out somewhere. And then we were trying to find it at dinner with friends and it was there on that menu. And we just got all super excited because we could then drink this wine with our friends. And I know what it is to have that feeling where you're like so excited about finding this special bottle and you want to share it with people or you want to re-experience it. And, and it's great that we can hopefully do our best to bring that 
experience back to people. But that first step of going to your your small wine shop, and if it's available in the state, we can do our best to get it for you. But what do you feel, Mark, about the that next step with going to the internet and seeing if you can purchase it online and having it shipped to you? I know it, it sort of goes against your business model, but I feel like it's important to talk to people about, you know, what's that, what, what options are there if it is not distributed in our state? Yeah. I mean, if you can't get it in your state and you want it, that's the way to get it. I think it's a great thing. I mean, I can't get it to sell it to you. So that's what you have to do. Back to your point, I want, before I forget it, you were talking about how you were so excited about finding the wine. It, it's always good to see when a customer has a request and you know what they're talking about, or you find oh, yes, absolutely. Them because they're just as excited as you were. Because, wow, <laughs> someone actually can find this form. I've been looking for it. I can, no one could find it. Or, yeah, so that whole thing about finding on the internet is the same thing. I, I would assume the consumer is just as excited to find it. And that's why I would always direct them and say, hey, even if it's an exclusive wine, I can't sell it. I can't get it. But you have to go to this place. They're the only people that sell it. If you want something, comparable, I can help you. But that exact wine, you have to go there. And it's yeah. the same way when it's a, a wine that's on the state, you have to go to the winery or you have to go search it. And it's obviously going to come up for sale someplace and see if you want to do the shipping, pick, pick the best deal. Thank you for listening to The Wonderful World of Wine today, where your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. We're here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. For more information about Kim, you can find her at commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, you can find me at franklinlickers.com. Kim and I post a lot of things on our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine, our Twitter page at Wine Education, and on Instagram at The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, we have an article that was in The Real Review about Tawny Port, aged Tawny Ports, Kim, which I don't really recall us talking about much on the show. And they did some radiocarbon dating to... Check if the aged Tawnies are really aged what they say they're aged. And I have to ask him, what did you think? Geeky. I had a lot of thoughts. <laughs> I had so many divergent thoughts on this article. So my first initial thought was, I thought, and maybe my science is outdated, that radiocarbon dating was more of an estimate like a long-term estimate. Like I didn't realize that it could be used for something as specific or something as uh, recent as being able to say, oh, this thing is one year old as opposed to eight years old, 15 years old, 30 years old. I thought we were talking in the order yeah, of did. hundreds, thousands, yeah. millions of years. So maybe I'm just not caught up on the science of radiocarbon dating, but I was not aware that we were able to use that technology with such specificity to say that, oh, this thing is two years old as opposed to this one that is six years old. Yeah, I think you're right because they did still give a a ring, but it was a lot but it was less a, than hundreds right. of thousands of years. It was, yeah. You know, and I didn't realize five, that that was like a thing anymore. Uh, yeah. Or a thing That's yet. interesting. Yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. So, you know me, I tend to think of the science uh, when we talk about these things. But then my second one was, so the premise of this article investigation, whatever you want to call it, this is from a website called therealreview.com, which looks like they're Australian. Correct me if I'm wrong, Mark. 
I believe so. Yeah. And they seem to uh, revel in doing these sort of expose kind of uh, kind of articles. So the idea behind it was that you buy a bottle of port. It says on the label 10 year. And what we are always taught is that that means that the wine in the barrel has aged for a minimum of 10 years in that barrel. And that is why it carries the designation. But what this article is saying is that, no, it doesn't actually have to be aged 10 years in that barrel. It just has to taste like what a typical 10-year tawny would taste like. And we've taken a lot of wine certification classes, haven't we, Mark? And I don't think that I have ever run into a situation where it has said, no, it doesn't have to be aged 10 years. It just has to taste like it. So I'm a little um, baffled by that. Yeah, I mean, in the wine world, when we say it's aged 10 years, like scotch or whatever you're thinking, it's 10 years. And it's really an average it, it, well, but the average is one taste. thing, right? So, so they might. But that's blend not what in. they're saying. When we talk about sherry, right? So right. it says, you know, it's a twenty-year whatever. It's an average of how old that Solaris Solaris system is, and how old the oldest wine in there is. But that's not what they're saying. Right. They're saying that as long as this wine tastes like it's ten years old. You can slap the 10-year label on it, which for me, I feel like that's saying like, oh, this Merlot might taste like a Zinfandel. So we're just going to call it Zinfandel because it tastes like one. Like Right. And the port people, the port houses determined what they feel a 10-year, 20-year, 30-year should taste like, right? Right. But because there's sort of this understanding of this is what this style of wine tastes like. And then, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, Hmm. it was a Netherlands university that did the study. And I was always familiar with 10-year, 20-year, 30-year tawnies. They mentioned a seven in this article. Have you ever heard of a seven-year age tawny? Maybe it's popular in Australia or in the Netherlands, but I've never seen a seven-year statement. Mm -mm. Tens and 20s. 10, 20s. Sometimes you run across 30s and 40s. Yeah. If they're, but those are hard to find bottles. They're very expensive. They're very rare. And it did upset the porthouses. They they were upset that I think it was the cat was out of the bag, Kim, that, yeah, it's not age. We don't store for 30 years, 40 years. It's Well, then, I mean, if it actually is true that, that this is going on, then I think that consumers need to know about it. You know, especially those of us that have gone through all of this wine education where we're taught, no, this is what it means on the label. And if that turns out not to be true. Yeah, because you're paying for, for like, like a 10-year tawny, you're talking, you know, 30 bucks, a, a 30 and 40, you're talking 100, you know, dollar. Right. The big difference in the price that you're probably And yes, getting. you are paying for the flavor in the bottle, but it's like the Appalachian system, right? You're depending on the truthfulness of that label. And so- you know, whether or not the flavor in the bottle corresponds to what the label right. is saying. There's a certain amount of trust that goes into purchasing a bottle of wine, where if it says something on a label, you expect that at least that base level is is right. true. And I think that aging requirements for wine should fall into that category. You know, if it says it's a 20-year tawny, that thing had better have been aged 20 years. And the test results were really all over the place like they totally had, all over the place right they had one 10 year that they estimated was between five and eight years and then another 10 year was between one and four i mean that's a big difference i mean yeah. i'd be happy if i 
bought a 10 and it was really eight years. I mean, at least it's not as bad as. Yeah. I mean, there was year. one that's like 20 year and it was aged between 17 and 19. It's like, OK, pretty you close, know, you're pretty right? close. Yeah. Then the other but, 20 was 15 to 17. Yeah. And but did brands, you notice, I mean, how many of these producers are you familiar with? I that's the other thing I was just going to say. That was exactly like I've talking. never heard of yeah. any. They weren't any of the big port houses that I heard of. Maybe there's ones that are only sent to Australia or or the Netherlands and not brought to the United States. Maybe, Maybe. that's their famous port houses. Mm-hmm. That's what I was kind of thinking. But yeah, I don't know. One, so there's ne- a lot Neaport? of Neaport, Nee, N-I-E. Neaport, uh, yeah, Neaport is seen here. That yeah, definitely that's is available. the only one on the, the list States. that I was even familiar with. So you're totally right. the same. Yep, I had the same, the same feeling as you. And they mentioned something that they had to do some sort of recall that the port, but they didn't really go into. I, I never heard of any recall. No. Of port because of that. Maybe it was in just in that country. Maybe. But I've never. So maybe this is an Australian here. port scandal. Yeah. But, but you're right. The whole thing of it's a it's a style of this or style of that. A lot of people don't understand that because we're so used to it has a year and that's we're assuming it's been in a, a barrel. It kind of ruins the romance of. of well, but and then I think on the ba- on the label it should say in the style of ten right. year tawny, in the style of twenty year tawny, and we're talking expensive wines here. So a bottle of tw- of twenty year tawny routinely will go for. 45, 56, 55, yeah, $60 yeah. a bottle. In that range, yeah. So, I mean, these are not inexpensive bottles. I wonder, I should have checked the TTB side. I wonder if there is any labeling law when a wine's imported on, on an age statement. Hmm. I wonder what the TTB says about it, but probably nothing. But <laughs> it's an interesting thing. And I love Tawny Ports and you no, know, I do 10, too. 20, 30. And part of it when I'm sipping a 30 year Tawny, it's like, wow, you know, this is. 30 years, right? Yeah. And that's one of those things that people talk about when talking about your wine experience. And it's like, how old has is the oldest wine that you've ever tasted? And like, have you ever had this? And like, things like that. So I'm sure I come, that sounds really snobby. But <laughs> you, think, you think it's all related to the vintage date? Like they're not putting, it's a 1970 Tawny Port. Right. I mean, they're putting uh, they're putting an age statement, but they're not putting a vintage. So, so it's like it's they... like harder to track down. Right. You think that's how they get away with because they're not saying a vintage. Yeah, maybe because yeah, it is. You're right. Though. It we is never... harder to trace it because especially for wines that are blends, it's a little bit harder to say that this is from one particular vintage. If you have the harvest notes from one particular year, then you know how much was harvested. Um, And I think that possibly the way that they're getting away with this is that for these wines, you know, they're, they don't have that vintage date on them. So if you have a wine that is aging for 20 years on a barrel, you have to top it up eventually because there will be some evaporation. And I think that the understanding is that you only top it up as necessary and that the, the majority of the wine that is in that barrel is from that older year and has been in that barrel for such a long time. But maybe this is a way that winemakers can can take advantage of that topping up technology in that they will take maybe a little bit more out of that barrel and then top it up with with some newer wine in order to to spread the older wine around. So that's how I'm thinking maybe this is going down. I also have to pay more attention to a tech sheet on a tawny port because you mentioned blends and along with saying the age statements represents an average 
time in the bottle, they said it also represents a blend of multiple years. Well, right, because so otherwise it would say, be otherwise it would be a vintage port. Right. And it's so, not. But they say they're testing in a 10, it's only four. They could just put one four year old in the, there and label it a 10. You know, right. do they say that in the text sheets that it's, you know, 50 percent, uh, you know, 10 year and one mm-hmm. percent? I've never noticed that on a tawny port uh, text sheet if they actually put the blend of vintage, you know, the years statements yeah. in there. I wouldn't think so. I mean, especially if they're, I want to say, we'll trying to, to pull ch- one, we'll pull a fast one, but, you know. But it was an eye-opening story on Tawny Port. For our listeners Absolutely. out there who enjoy Tawny Port, we probably ruined the whole <laughs> romance of that too. But but I'm yeah. going to be keeping an eye on this, uh, this website and their exposés on, uh, on wine. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone. Thank you for coming here every week on WFPR 102.9 FM. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud and iTunes. You can find more information about Kim on her website, commonwealthwineschool.com. More information about myself at franklinliquors.com. And you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Cheers. Bye.